everybody has a gift. But everybody has something to open. Everybody has something under a tree to shake, to smell, to uh, occasionally peek behind that corner that isn't quite taped down. Um, I want you to take a moment and think of the best gifts you've ever been given. What are the best gifts you've ever been given? The kind of gifts that make your hearts flutter, the kind that render children stunned, silent, or the kind that leave them saying, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. The best gifts, I would say, have one key quality. The best gifts show the receiver that they are deeply known. The best gifts show the receiver that they're deeply known. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. And I'm going to read a short passage from the book of Matthew out of the New Testament. And it's from the familiar story of the birth of Jesus. And it says this, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. And they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And so what we need to see as we look at this passage tonight is that the Magi come to worship Jesus. They bring three specific things for three very specific reasons. They bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Or, if you will, something shiny, something sticky, and something smelly. And if you would like to adopt that as your new tradition in your home to give all of your children something shiny, sticky, and smelly, you be my guest. Feel free to adopt that. Really, what they've given Jesus is something significant. Gold is the one we start with, and gold is the one we're all familiar with. In our day, it's still a thing. I don't know how many of you got frankincense for Christmas recently, but gold is still a thing that we give. It's rare, it's precious, it's valuable. And in the day of Jesus, it was a symbol of divinity. Pagans made their idols out of gold, and the book of Exodus, the ark that contained the word of God, was overlaid with gold. You don't give gold to babies and animal stalls. You give gold to kings. The second gift we saw was frankincense. Frankincense is a resin that comes from a tree. It's a really strong fragrance. It is distinct. I don't know uh, how you grew up. I grew up in the Catholic Church, and I distinctly remember that smell that the priest would walk down the aisle with some sort of metal birdcage on a string and it would be smoking and there would be this smell and everybody would go, I know what that is. That frankincense that you would smell, it's a symbol of holiness and righteousness. People for thousands of years burned frankincense. They burned frankincense as an offering to God. The idea was that the aroma, the smoke would waft up to the heavenly places. You don't bring frankincense to baby showers. You bring it when you make an offering to the Almighty. The third thing we see is myrrh. Myrrh is the least known of all the gifts given by the Magi. It was obtained just like frankincense from a tree. You would scratch at the tree and from that a resin would flow out. It's a spice then used in embalming. And it's also a bitter kind of thing that would be added to a tonic, would be added with wine, and would be used to drink. Think of myrrh. When you see myrrh, myrrh is like a first century morphine. That if there was somebody enduring agony, they would receive myrrh. They would mix it with some sort of liquid that would allow them to ingest it, to then get some relief from the pain. Myrrh was what was mixed with the vinegar, the wine that was offered to Jesus on the cross. It symbolized bitterness and suffering. It was a symbol of deep affliction. 
don't bring myrrh to celebrate that life has come. You bring it to use when death is near. If you think about it, these gifts should begin to blow our minds. In the familiar time of Christmas, when it's just another year, it's just the lights go back up the same way, just the tree goes in the same corner, and the same traditions come through. For once, I hope that we read this, and it slows us down and maybe even stuns us a little bit. That the gifts brought to Jesus at his birth spoke something about the life that he was to live. The Magi were widely known, too. For those who look at the Christmas story and they see it simply as a story, the Magi were historical figures that really lived, that were widely known. And if they had brought something to Jesus and it was recorded in contemporary literature and not true, they would have contested it. There would have been all kinds of literature out about how this story was being woven by these followers of Jesus, but it wasn't real, it wasn't true, and none of that exists. That this is all True, it's all true, and the Magi are just another level of how it's all true because these are three more witnesses, three more recorded pieces of historical, factual evidence. This is the first century equivalent of putting something on the front page of the New York Times and no one claiming it to be fake news. If it is true, then, The gifts have to be considered as profound statements about the reality of who Jesus was. Because as we said, the best gifts show the receiver that they're deeply known. And so gold laid before Jesus said God in human form. Frankincense brought to the manger said there was no need to burn it anymore so that it might waft heavenly places. No, heaven has come down and so we lay it at his feet. The myrrh was maybe a troubling sign for Mary and Joseph. They would have understood something different when the myrrh gets brought out. But it's a great sign of hope for you and for me that this child would suffer greatly. And he was prepared for it. He was prepared for such a life. The Magi knew who they were looking at is what we can conclude. The Magi knew exactly who they were coming to. And the myrrh was the clearest sign of this. They brought gifts to Jesus knowing that ultimately Jesus was going to be given as a gift to us. The Magi bring gifts to lay at the feet of Jesus, knowing that ultimately Jesus is God's gift laid at our feet. And in the days ahead, Jesus would grow into a man. He would live a sinless life. He would suffer the punishment of sin on our behalf. And so we see this full picture going that Jesus begins in the humble feeding trough and he finishes his life in the humiliation of a cross. He took the punishment of our sin and our shame. He suffered and was taken from the cross by his friends. And they took him to a borrowed tomb. And they, it says, the Bible says they embalmed him. They wrapped him in burial cloths and spices in myrrh. And so for the second time in Jesus' life, once at birth and another at his death, myrrh was introduced to the king. His friends stashed his body in that borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And on the third day, The scripture records that the earth shook and the tomb was open and Jesus wasn't there. And that resurrection, that end of the story that Jesus began, becomes the basis and the beginning of your story and mine. What makes Christianity different from every other religion is it's not some rules for teaching for our lives. Instead, it's new life coming from a ruler willing to take our place and use his life for us. What makes Christianity different is instead of us having to work our way to God, God came down to be with us, Emmanuel, which makes Jesus the greatest gift. Why? 
because the best gifts show the receiver that they are deeply known. God knew you so well and loved you so much that he gave the most precious gift he could possibly give, knowing that you and I could never reach him. We could never climb the ladder of perfection up to him, and knowing that he came down, knowing that we were sinful, that we were rebellious, that we were lost and alone, God knew what we needed. He knew the receiver, and he gave us the greatest gift imaginable. He lays Jesus in front of us and says, I have got you covered. And our response on Christmas, if we really stop to think about it, should be like the kids from the video. Our response as we reopen the story of Christmas should be like the kids from the video. That as we tear back the wrapping paper of what God has laid in front of us, it should remind us, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know me. And you still love me. You know my darkest parts. You know my deepest regrets. You know my worst shames. And you love me anyway. You still give me this. Oh my God. Oh my God. And we would fall on our knees and we would cry out, My Lord, my King, my Savior, this Christmas. You know me. Christmas is our annual reminder that God knows us on the inside and on the outside, that God knows us from our first moment until our last, that God has seen the story of your life, that he knows the pain of your heart, that he knows the deepest longing of your soul, and he has already delivered the solution. That in Christ alone our hope is found in the newborn baby in the manger. We have the hope of eternity. Not only does he know us, but he would endure suffering and death for us. That he would give his life for us that we might be free. Free from sin and free from shame and free to know him and follow him. And so my prayer for us as a community, my prayer for every heart in here is that as you gather around the fire this year, as you gather around a Christmas tree, around the Christmas table, as you take on all your normal traditions, as you begin to tear in to a gift, Maybe this year you would remember, maybe just the first gift. That this year you would take a deep breath and you would remember that the greatest gifts are the ones that show just how well they know the receiver. And there has never been a greater gift than Jesus, than Emmanuel, than God with us, that in chaos... You and I have peace in sadness. You and I can have hope in darkness. You and I have light. And in death, you and I still have life. Because in Jesus, we have the greatest gift ever given. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this is your gift to us. Lord, thank you for uh, what you have done. Thank you for what you started and what you have finished in Jesus. Thank you for the way that it stills our hearts. In a season of great busyness, in a season of of chaos and stress, of anxiety, where grief and depression might peak, Lord, that you allow us a prince of peace, that you bring a great healer, that you bring a great hope. Father, my prayer... My prayer is that every heart in here would know that peace. Lord, I know that there are no accidents, there's no coincidences that the folks who have gathered in this place, each one of us 
Lord, we carry a past we're not always proud of. We carry habits and hang-ups, all kinds of hurts with us. And Father, we give those to you today. We give those and lay them at your feet in exchange. Father, we receive the gift that you've given us in Jesus. Pray that that gift would settle in deeply. Lord, that the truth of the resurrection would become the truth of our resurrection. Father, that you would make that known to us, you would make yourself real to us, and that we would feel your embrace in this place. Lord, let us not ignore the butterflies in our stomach that's you saying there's something real happening. Let us not ignore the goosebumps when the choir sings that says there are angels among us. Father, let us not ignore another Christmas, but instead, Lord, whisper throughout the season, whisper that you are near, you are here, you are with us, you love us. Father, thank you for the gift that is Jesus and for the season we remember him. We lift all these things up in the name of Jesus. Amen.